My sister's here tonight, and she can testify to the fact that I have, from I was a boy, I have always loved to go fishing. And over the years, and even right up to last year, I occasionally go on fishing trips. They usually don't amount to any more, really, than one day a fishing trip. And very often it's down to Fermanagh or to that area. And over the years, I have learned a few lessons regarding those fishing trips. I have to say that I've learned most of them the hard way. One lesson that I have learned is to bring a bigger lunch than you feel like packing in the morning time. When I get up and get my breakfast, I don't feel hungry. And my wife says, bring more than that with you. And I say, no, I'm not hungry. And then after a couple of hours fishing, we are, the lunch is long gone and we're ready to eat as much again. I've learned to bring a bigger lunch. But I've also learned over the years, even if the sun is shining in the morning time, to make sure that you bring waterproof clothing with you. Because if you're out in a boat and the heavens open, then there's not much point in thinking about it then. Very importantly, I have also learned to always bring money with me to buy fish and chips on the way home if the fishing doesn't really um, be as good as, well, as good as I hoped it would be. And folks, in these verses that the Lord Jesus has left with us this evening, he's telling us about a fishing trip in the verses that we read at the latter part of chapter 13 on Matthew's Gospel. Verses that tell of a fishing trip, but with spiritual parallels, which he would explain. Because when you look at verses 47 through verse 41, you are looking at a harvest scene. It is a scene from the harvest of the ocean. I want to say at the very outset that it's important to remember, we will note this as we speak to you tonight, and it's important for everyone listening to remember that at every harvest time, there is some loss. There is some loss. There's always a field that hasn't been cut, maybe a lower part of a meadow, and it has been particularly wet and it's been left there. And for whatever reason, there are other fields as well, and Every harvest when we drive around the countryside, there's always some loss in every harvest. And that's a very sobering thought when you lift it into the spiritual realm. There's always some loss at harvest time. And I want to draw your attention to this passage tonight. And we've given a title to the message, Harvest Lessons from a Fishing Trip. I would like you to notice, first of all, that there is here a common journey. If you look there in verse 47, it says again, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a net that was cast into the sea and gathered of every kind. I think there are three different kinds of fishing mentioned in the Bible. In the book Habakkuk and also in Isaiah's prophecy, There is angling, that is, with a hook and the line, like what I would do sometimes. There's also mention made of a draw net where men would walk out into the sea as far as they can, and then they would cast their net, because very often particular types of fish were found in the shallows. Chapter 13, verse 47, where we've been reading just now, the net here 
is a dragnet. And it's only mentioned this one time in all of the scripture. And with this dragnet, fishermen would go out and they would let their net down and then they would move along. It really was like the operation of a modern trawler. And as that net would be brought along, it wouldn't be altogether different from the trawler in that everything in its pathway would be gathered up. There would be perhaps bass and mackerel and wrasse and a pollock and maybe place as well as plastic bottles and all kinds of things would be gathered up in the trawler today. Everything in its path would be brought along by that net. And eventually the net would fill. And then you would have, as we have here on the seashore in verse 48, we have all the stuff that was in it put together. In a very real sense, as the net gathered up the different fish, and in these days debris as well, Everything on the net was irresistibly being brought on a journey. That's why we've given the title to this point, A Common Journey. It states in verse 47 that there were all kinds there. And folks, every one of us tonight, without exception, we've come along to the harvest meeting, and it's always lovely to Come along and recognize what the Lord has provided for us. We've journeyed to church tonight. But we're all on another journey. A journey that leads to one destination or another, but to a destination it certainly leads. Over there in the book of Proverbs, chapter 4, Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 18 It says, but the path of the just is as the shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. That verse reminds us of men and women just like us who have come and put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. They have come to the light who is Christ. They are now walking in the light and someday they will be with the light but verse 19 says the way you see they're also on a pathway the way of the wicked or the unsaved is as darkness they know not at what they stumble And if I could stop there for just a moment and say, those who have come to the light have have come to repentance and they've turned from their sin. And as they've turned from their sin, they have been regenerated to life and they've had reception by the Lord Jesus Christ. Truly, they are new creatures in Christ. But the way of the wicked is as darkness. And I just want to say something very briefly about that darkness and on the authority of the Bible. The Bible tells us that men love darkness rather than light. 
They love darkness rather than light. They love it. The light does not appeal to them. And therefore, they are still in darkness. But nonetheless, you will note that the two types, characters of people indicated here in verse 18 and 19 in Proverbs 4, both of them are on a journey, a common journey through life. And folks, as we go on through life, we recognize more and more regarding that journey, whatever pathway you're on, that it is a brief journey. A brief journey. Brownell North was one of the men who preached in the 1859 revival. He was related to, he was aristocracy. Uh, He was related to a former prime minister And he didn't do any real work. He spent his time just in sports and pastimes and what he wanted to do. And he lived a godless and a reckless life. And one day he was shooting pheasants in Scotland. And just down the way from him, his friend was standing waiting on some pheasants coming. And whenever Brownlow North was talking to him, he didn't answer him. And Brownlow North looked around to see why he didn't answer, and he was lying dead. His young, fit friend, just in an instant, was taken out into eternity. And that spoke to Brownlow North's heart and showed him the brevity of life and contributed to his coming to the Lord Jesus Christ. And through his ministry, he impressed upon the minds of those who were listening to him. And yes, here in Belfast as well, during the 1859 when he preached there, he preached about the brevity of life. The journey is brief, men and women. But God's given another opportunity tonight to make peace with him. The journey is binding. Everything that was in this net we've been looking about, there was no getting out until they were dealt with. They couldn't slip out And folks, we're all on this journey. And I want to ask you tonight again, have you ever ever considered what pathway you are on as you travel this journey? Over in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 7, we read there in verse 13. Matthew 7, verse 13. It says, Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many be that go in thereof. Now, maybe they intended to be, things to be otherwise, but the Bible states plainly that many there be that go in thereof. And then it says, Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way, which leadeth unto life. And few there be that find it. The statement there in verse 14 regarding this, the narrow is the way, uh, we believe is a reference to what is known as the needle. The main gate of the city was closed at a certain time, and then traveling men arriving late with their camels would have to go to this much smaller gate known as a needle. And hence we have the saying in the word how it is easier for the camel to pass through the eye of a needle. Sometimes it took a bit of pushing and shoving to get the camel through and to get in if they were late to the city. And that is the expression 
that is brought to our attention in verse 14 regarding this straight gate, like a narrow gorge. And that's really all that it was like. And it says here, few there be who find it. Again, one journey, one common journey, but two pathways. The pathway through the broad gate and the pathway through the straight gate. D.L. Moody was an evangelist of a different generation and he, he preached campaigns in the United Kingdom. And very often when we think of the Moody campaigns, when so many people were converted, we think, well, it was so different in those days and everybody got saved. But I was reading one of the books regarding him one day and very often at the end of campaign. There were men and women who had attended the missions or the preaching of the word in the evenings when it was on. And they'd listened. Very often some of their family had been saved. And when it come to the end of the campaign, Moody himself sometimes would go and speak with men and women who hadn't yet come to Christ. And through those campaigns, certainly it was emphasized that men were on a journey that would lead to a destination, heaven with Christ or hell without him. And when he spoke to those men, yes, there were many who were saved, but folks, folks, there were some who were not. You remember what I said a few minutes ago, that at every harvest there's some loss. Moody had to go away from the campaigns, knowing that there were men and women who never came and trusted the Lord. Families and friends had come, some of them had come to the Lord, and they were all traveling a long life's journey together. But ere the campaign went over, there were some of them were traveling to heaven, and some of them continued on their journey to a lost eternity. Fast forward to 23. Uh, and to right now, in October, to the harvest time, it, it's still the same with us all today. Yes, many have believed, and we can point to people in their families and their social circle who've come to know the Lord. But I wonder, are you among those who have determined to just go on as you are? I mentioned to you we had a, a, a great harvest weekend last weekend. People in who don't know the Lord often prayed for. It's great to see them there. But they went out just as they came in. Over in Jeremiah chapter 44, if you know anything about Jeremiah, he was initially a reluctant, but he was a faithful preacher of God's word. And through all of his ministry, I know there was one man saved, one person saved, but whether there were many more than that or not, I don't know. Known as a weeping prophet. People didn't want to know. But there are those in Jeremiah 44, and in verse 16 it says, and this is them speaking, that is those who have listened to him, As for the word that thou hast spoken unto us in the name of the Lord, we will not hearken unto thee. They they give him this, that he's preaching the word. And it's the word of God. He said, as for the word that thou hast spoken unto us in the name of the Lord, we will not hearken unto thee. And then they go on to to, to, um, inform him that they will continue to do just as they please. And it is an awful, sad situation 
when harvest times come to our churches and men and women who are not saved come in. And that's a great thing. But whenever they determine that as for the word that's been spoken on to them in the name of the Lord, they will not hearken. That's a very, that's a cause for concern. And if you're not a saved person tonight, we're not singling you out in any way, but we're saying to you, think about this journey. Think about this common journey. We're all traveling along together. We work together in the daily round. We, work, we come to God's house on the same day together. We're there in Matthew chapter 10 and in verse 34. This is the Lord Jesus speaking and so much for ecumenism and together, everybody, no matter what you believe. It says, Think not that I come to send peace on the earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. What does he mean? Well, the Lord Jesus didn't go out looking for trouble. But as he ministered, men and women would trust him. But some wouldn't. He would make the difference. And he would come along and he would rescue men and women. And he would reform men and women. And he would redirect them. And others would just go away. Back some time ago now, again, the, I think he was an American, actually, called Leonard Ravenhill, the preacher. He conducted a gospel mission at the Birches. And as he preached there, I'm not sure what the year was, but as he preached there, there, there were quite a number of men and women came and trusted the Lord. And some of them who came to the Lord had been notorious in their lifestyle. And when Christ came into their life, then there definitely was that reforming and redirecting. Everything changed because Christ was there now. But like all missions, come to an end. And while it was the talk of the country, I believe, for a time regarding those that had trusted the Lord, it was the concern of many that folk long prayed for, came to the mission and went away in their sin. And folks, at this harvest season, when we look here at the fishing trip and we see the lessons from it, certainly is a lesson that we're all on a common journey, being brought along irresistibly to eternity. Which path are you on? But there's not only a common journey There's a categorizing here. If you look at verse 48 with me, it says, Which when it was full, that is the net, they drew to shore and sat down and gathered the good into vessels, but cast the bad away. So shall it be at the end of the world, the angels shall come forth and sever the wicked from among the just. To this very day, If you watch trawler men bringing in their catch, yes, there will be the plastic bottles there. But very often there will be fish like wrasse and other ones that they have to throw them back. Because even to try to eat certain kinds of fish, it could make you ill. And they would be discarded. And what a picture we have here of that final harvest. And that's what actually is referred to here in these verses. 
The categorizing. People don't like being judged, and I'm not here to judge anyone. But God has every right to judge us all. And when you think of that, folks, can I mention separation? Separation is not an easy thing. But over there in the book of Revelation in chapter 14, it says in Revelation chapter 14 and verse 13, I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Right blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, and their works do follow them. Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. My father passed away six years ago. My siblings asked me, what should we put on the headstone? And I said, Revelation chapter 14 and verse 13. Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. And folks, if God were to call you tonight out to stand before him, could we say blessed was so-and-so? Because they died in the Lord. It's a time of separation. A time of separation when death comes, but there's eternal separation for those who have never trusted Christ. I think of separation, but I think of sending away. Again, we live in an age when constantly we're being bombarded with the fact that, oh, there's more that unites us than there is that divides us, and we have so much common ground, and we've heard it all so many times, and I buy none of it. Because it says over there in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 21, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven... Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. What awful words to hear from God to your own individual heart. Depart from me. Ye that work iniquity. I want to be clear with you tonight, folks, whoever you are, that if you will come to Christ in repentance, he will save you. He will save you. The story told of Abraham Lincoln and how before he was a president, he was a judge. And one day he was out in his carriage, someone was driving it, and there was a ploughboy, got into trouble with his horses and the plough, and... He was in danger of being badly hurt or losing his life. And Lincoln instructed the carriage driver to go after him. And they managed to catch up with him. And they got the horses stopped. And they saved his life. Sometime after that, that same young man committed a heinous crime. And he was brought to the court. And when he came into the court, he saw that the judge was Lincoln. And... As Lincoln had listened to the jury, and then he asked for their verdict, and they said that they found him guilty, the young man guilty. And Lincoln asked him to stand to his feet, and as he did that, Lincoln said to him, Abraham Lincoln said to him, he said, I sentence you to death. 
And almost immediately he shouted back at Lincoln. He shouted, but do you not recognize me from whatever amount of time ago it was? I am the one you rescued from the plow and saved me. And Mr. Lincoln said, he said, yes, I recognize you, but the difference is, on that occasion I was your savior, but today I am your judge. On that occasion I was your savior, but today I am your judge. The Lord Jesus has promised, come unto me all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And that includes you. But I'm reminded of the book of Acts. It says, God, he hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained. The one who will save you tonight, if you perish rejecting him, then he will be your judge. We think of the categorizing, we think of separation. We think of that sending away and hearing the voice of God saying, depart from me. We think of suffering. If you look there in verse 50, isn't it? In Matthew chapter 13, it says, And there and cast them into the furnace of fire, there shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. There's no way of preaching nicely about hell. And as it's put here in Matthew chapter 13, is how it is right throughout the scripture. There's no way round it. And the solemn and steadfast fact about hell is that It yawns before the unconverted. It yawns before the unconverted and waits for men and women who reject the Lord. Thinking of that lost harvest, separation, sending away, suffering. But there's a scripture I was reading just the other day again in the house in Revelation 22 and it reminds me of staying Right at the end of your Bible in Matthew 22, it says there, Matthew 22 and verse 11, He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. He that is filthy, let him be filthy still. He that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. You see, when this life is over, there can't be any change. Therefore, you need to You need to come to Christ in life. And you need to take very seriously the opportunity that he's granted to men and women tonight. There's separation now, yes, in that and very often in our meetings there are some who are saved and some who are not. But people who pass away unsaved, it's an everlasting separation. And it's not me that's doing the categorization. It's God. Just as these fishermen would have taken their their catch out and they they knew what to look for. They knew what was good and sealable and they knew what was no good and had to throw it away. Again, folks, the question is, uh, if we were all to pass away tonight and God were to categorize us, where would we be? Would we be kept as that which is righteous? Or would we be cast away as that which has been relying on something else only you can answer that question there was here the common journey and then the categorizing but finally and briefly there is the crucial question look at verse 51 
Jesus saith unto them, Have ye understood all these things? In other words, do you get the message? Do do you get the relevance of the message? Do you get the importance of the message regarding your soul's well-being? That there is a day of opportunity, but a final harvest day is coming when opportunities will all be gone. And you know, sometimes, sometimes God stops dealing with men and women. And people have don't be concerned anymore. Many years ago, there was a, a, another a gospel mission, a place called the Diamond, not too far from Loch Gall. And there was a little cabin, a little wooden structure that the mission was in. And during that mission time, there was one man who'd attended fairly well. He'd come along with his Christian friend. And when the mission was over, um, everybody had gone, only them two. And the, little, the wooden door of the little shed was open and it, the wind blew, it was blowing, and the wind blew the door and the door closed. And the Christian man said to his friend, he said, well, that's another mission over. And the unsaved man said, no, he said, that reminds me of more than that. It said, I know my opportunities are over because I've come to this mission And I've listened to the preaching of the gospel. And years ago, four years, I was concerned. And I knew that there's a message for me. And I knew that I needed to be saved. And many times, I didn't sleep very well because I was worrying about it. He says, I've come here this past number of weeks. And he says, I have absolutely no concern. Folks, if you're not saved, ask God to not let you get to that point but to have mercy upon you tonight and help you to seize this opportunity. The crucial question, the Lord Jesus says, have you understood all this? There's the thought of opportunity there because the harvest's coming, the final one. But then there's urgency again when you think of the final harvest. I finish with this tonight because my time is gone. Back in the early 1900s, there was a man um, who was an evangelist and he was having a campaign in a certain area. I'm not sure what his name was. But he was preaching in that area and they had a campaign. And there was one man in particular that many people who were associated with the campaign were concerned about. And he wasn't well. And during the campaign they asked the evangelist, listen, would you go at all and visit him? And he said he would certainly he went along to visit the man and in general conversation and so on and got around to talking to him about being saved and he visited him a couple more times and began to press upon him the urgency of his case. And before the campaign ended, that man passed away. And after, I'm not sure whether it was a final meeting or one of the final meetings, Someone said to the evangelist, talking about the man who had passed away, they said, did he get saved? And the evangelist responded in this way. He said, we wrapped him, we wrapped him in a Christless shroud. We placed him in a Christless coffin. 
we lured him into a Christless grave. And he will spend all eternity in a Christless hell. Folks, that was very straight talking. But it was true. And Folks, as you think of this journey tonight, the solemn passage about the fishing trip, please do take on board the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ. Especially when he says, have you understood all these things? I trust you have. And you see here that there is emphasized the importance of getting right with God and doing it now. Because we know not what a day may bring forth. And I trust that the Lord will use his word to draw you to himself. Maybe you've considered these things before. Call upon Christ and people that love you are praying for you and inviting you along to meetings. And this can be a great harvest time for you. Thank you for listening. I'm going to hand back now to your minister. Thank God, servant, for bringing that word to our heart tonight. It certainly is a theme today. It's continuing on from this morning. We thank him for coming. We thank his Cherith Salt, his wife, for coming as well. We welcome her. Men and women, we welcome you to Christ. If you're not saved, come and seek the Lord. 2.30, we'll sing a couple of verses. This brings our meeting to a close. Life at best is very brief. Like the falling of a leaf, like the binding of a sheaf, be in time. Be in time. We'll sing uh, verses 1 and verse 2 of 2.30. Let's stand as we sing it.
our Father, we thank Thee for Thy presence tonight. We thank the Lord for the solemnity of the message. And Lord, we realize that every one of us are in this journey. And Lord, there is that division coming. There is that separation even in this meeting. And there will be the separation finally one day of the nets. And oh God, we pray that, Lord, as Thou hast given opportunity again tonight, the unsaved will be in time. That close in with thine offer of mercy. That come while the Spirit's voice is striving with them and calling. And Lord, tonight will be a night of God's salvation. Part us with thy blessing. Speak on. And the preacher's voice is silent. May the tide of blessing even rise. Uh, for our final meeting tomorrow night. We pray these things in our Saviour's name. Amen.